0: Morning. Love a full church. You know y'all are welcome back anytime. Uh, Scripture reading this morning is Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes was white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised like he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly, and with great fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet, and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Reading our lesson, uh, your dad got to read it at the early service. So. <laughs> what a blessing we have today with all the beautiful music and the time I'd be with one another. I'm so glad that you're here to celebrate Easter together on our fourth anniversary <clears throat> as the Pathway Service. It's been an exciting journey, and I, again, want to say thank you to all those who make this service a possibility each and every week. But, um, yeah, if you didn't get any cake, there's still some left in that that you can take home for you, but dessert (laughs) today. But um, as we prepare now to seek God's understanding for the word that we've just heard read, let's ask God's Holy Spirit to help us with that in the moment of prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. We gather on this day, lifting our voices up to you in praise and adoration and thanksgiving for Easter. For your resurrection, for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who displayed your love in such an unbelievable way of dying for us on a cross, facing death, and yet all to show us how you love us, what you have in store for us, a hope that we can hold on to each and every day of our lives. And God, we seek, as we read about this story that we have heard many, many times before, we want to hear your word to us today. You know each and every heart, you know every situation that is represented here today and what we're going through, and I believe your word has something to say. So open our hearts and our minds to that, God, today, and just may your spirit pour out upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. I suppose that everyone here has probably uh, heard Alan Jackson's song, Where Were You When the World Ended (laughs) or When the World Stopped Turning. Remember that song? Anybody? No, okay. Where were you when the world stopped turning? But it it was a song that was written about the tragic events that happened in this country uh, with the terrorist attacks on September 11th. And today, as I saw the headlines of what took place in Sri Lanka, the bombing of the churches on Easter Sunday and Christians, it just kind of brought all that back to mind. Uh, We live in this world now. But, of course, what we have learned since that time is uh, if the world really did stop on 9-11, it very quickly started spinning again. Because life goes on, doesn't it? And we have now become accustomed to many of the changes that have taken place since then, those minor inconveniences uh, that comes from being more uh, conscious about security in our world. We've become accustomed to getting to the airport at least two hours ahead of time. No longer can you run in there 15 minutes ahead of time and run down the the corridor to get on the plane. Uh, We've become accustomed to going through checkpoints and uh, metal detectors when we go to concerts or sporting events or other events. We are now much more observant, uh, sensitive, and more uh, paying attention to suspicious activity around us. We've all made adjustments to our, our lifestyles, Because of what happened. And most Americans prior to 9-11 probably thought that these things would never be necessary, but they're part of the world we live in because our world is forever changing. it's not just due to the acts of terrorism or the age of terrorism that we live in today. I mean, the world that we live in today is very different than the world we lived in yesterday in many ways. Even the birthdays that we celebrate. You remember, uh, most birthdays look like this in the past, but now they look more like this, right? (laughs) Yeah. And and do you remember these days? Now, of course, today it looks more like this, doesn't it? Today we live with the presence of artificial intelligence. (laughs) I mean, it's in our cell phones. It's in even our TV remote controls. Uh, and they say that within at least a minimum of three years, most every home in America will have one of these voice-assisted devices like Alexa or the Apple HomePod or something else where you can just speak and control your entire atmosphere with that. It's the kind of stuff we used to see on sci-fi movies, you know. <clears throat> but now it's, it's reality. We live with robot assistants. And everything from our factories to the battlefield. And uh, some of you have those vacuum cleaners that clean your house while you're asleep at night or when your way of work is go through your house cleaning that kind of stuff. Uh, Robot assistance. Some of you drive those uh, driverless uh, type of vehicles where they park themselves, um, where they stop before you get too close to someone, or they warn you when you're crossing the middle line. I read that General Motors is now in production of a car without steering wheels or pedals. Uh, I don't know that I'm ready for that one yet, but um, uh, today you can do your shopping online. Uh, You don't even have to go to the store, or you can shop online and just drive up to the store and they'll put it in your car. I kind of like that idea when it comes to shopping at Walmart. (laughs) Our world is forever changing. Life goes on in spite of the setbacks, in spite of the tragedies, that life just continues to go on. Today, we celebrate Easter in a very different world than the one we celebrated it last year in or any year in the past prior. And what I want you to hear this morning is that even though the world around us is ever-changing, Easter has not changed. The events that took place on that Easter Sunday almost 2,000 years ago supersede any event, any change that has taken place in our world. The event that took place in that first Easter morning renders powerless all acts of terrorism, all wars, uh, death, sickness, pain, sorrow, heartbreak, loneliness, sin, every other affliction that has ever um, plagued humanity. It renders those things powerless because the world we live in is changing. It always changes. But Easter has not. The events of Easter morning, demonstrate the fundamental truth about Christianity, that Jesus is Lord in spite of it all, in spite of all the changes. He alone has the power over sin and death. He alone has the power to change our lives in ways we can never imagine, regardless of what's going on in our world. So today I want us to celebrate Easter Sunday in the way that it should be celebrated every Easter Sunday, in the way that... It was celebrated by those first followers of Jesus when they responded to seeing Jesus for the first time. And you remember the story. It was just read to us in our scripture lesson, Matthew 28. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary made their way to the tomb that morning. And there was a great earthquake and the stone was rolled away. And and then an angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And as the women made their way away from that tomb and their experience of the resurrected Christ and their open tomb and stuff, Jesus appears to them, and he says to them, if they fall on their feet to worship him, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there you will see me. These were the first words spoken by our risen Lord. And in this very simple message, this very simple phrase, I think we learn the significance of how to experience the power of Easter in our lives today. <clears throat> Easter: the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a timeless message that has stood firm in the midst of an ever-changing world. And today, I want to lift up three ways in which we can experience the significance of Easter in our lives, in spite of the changes that are taking place. First of all, to experience the significance of Easter, I think you have to stand up to your fears. That's what we learn in this passage. During his ministry, time and time again, Jesus told his disciples, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And here, some of the first words that he speaks after he's resurrected, are these same words, do not be afraid. Why did Jesus say that so often? I mean, doesn't he know that this emotion of fear is, is a, uh, a natural emotion that you really can't do much about? I mean, uh, today you experience emotion in an overwhelming sense when things happen. Uh, you just, you really can't control it. It comes on you like a tidal wave when you're least prepared for it. You hear that noise in the middle of the night, and you're filled with a sense of panic. You notice a suspicious symptom in your body, a numbness, a um, pain in your chest, a lump, and suddenly you're overwhelmed with a sense of fear. Or you have you ever fallen asleep at night on the couch waiting for your teenager to come home? and You wake up realizing they're past their curfew and they're still not home yet. Suddenly you're overcome with a fear, like what in the world could have happened? Or have you ever gone to work and had the boss reach you at the door saying, um, don't bother to take off your coat <laughs> That introduces you to a whole new level of fear, right? Fear when it happens to us, it, it affects us physiologically. I mean our hearts begin to beat faster when we're afraid. Our breathing is quicker. Our stomach gets tied up in knots and does flip-flops. Our hands begin to sweat and shake. But I think the worst effect that fear has upon us is that it can paralyze us so that we are able to do nothing but just be afraid. And, of course, God has given us this emotion of fear and for a good reason. There's times we need to be afraid. There's times we need to flee from danger. And we all have that flight or fear fear, a fight or fear mechanism within us that is triggered by fear. And that can be a good thing. But fear, when it hits, can just be an overwhelming sense of emotion. And, And certainly it's not an emotion that we would choose to feel. And yet Jesus says, don't be afraid. As if it's simply a matter of choice that we can make. Well, I think for Jesus, it is simply a matter of choice. And here's why. Jesus is not referring to an emotion as much as he was referring to our thoughts and our actions. He's saying, do not think fearfully. Do not act fearfully. When you experience a personal crisis in your life, uh, the death of a loved one or a health problem, a loss of a job, often we're paralyzed by the uncertainty of the future and what may happen. And we really don't know what to do, and it causes us to just put our lives on hold. And Jesus says, you don't have to live that way. Why? Because I have the power over death. I have the power over any challenge that you can face in this world. There is no act of war or terrorism that can separate you from my power and my love. No health problem can separate you from my presence. No divorce, no failed business, no sin can separate you from my mercy. At the end of this chapter, we read in Matthew, Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So do not fear. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to live in fear. The resurrection tells us that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. I mean, if he can conquer death, he can conquer anything, right? So how do we stand up to our fears? By responding with faith, with thoughts of faith, actions of faith. Fear is just a feeling, a feeling that we don't have to be controlled by. We don't have to live by our feelings. We are called to live by faith. Uh, We stand before faith with thoughts of action. Thoughts of faith and actions of faith because we know that the risen Christ is with us no matter what. So we don't have to live in fear. I think the second way that we can experience the significance of Easter in our daily lives is that we focus on our mission. In verse 10, Jesus goes on to say, Go and tell my brothers. Just as he gave those faithful women this mission to go and to tell his disciples what they had seen and heard and the resurrection, he has given us a message to deliver to the world as well. And that is that he is alive. This is the mission that we're supposed to focus on every day in our lives. In the resurrection stories, in each one of the Gospels, we see how Jesus emphasizes this mission. In Matthew's Gospel, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In Mark's gospel, he says, go into all the world and preach the good news of all creation, to all creation. In Luke's gospel, he says, repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name for all nations. In John's gospel, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus' first message after the resurrection was go. Go and tell others. And in this ever-changing world that we're living in, this is the message that is needed now perhaps more than ever before. How desperately the world we live in today needs to hear this message that Jesus is Lord, that we serve a risen Savior, and He has the power over sin and death and anything else that we may encounter on the face of this earth. Uh, you know, recently, I, I heard a story about a, a guy named Jeff. He talks about when he was 12 years old, he and his friend were outside the house playing baseball together. <coughs> And um, as they're playing baseball, sure enough, the baseball goes to the picture window of the house. Very quickly, they look around to see if anybody's noticed or witnessed (laughs) the crime. And uh, thankfully, nobody had except Jeff's little brother. And so Jeff says to his little brother, Listen, if you keep quiet, I'll give you some candy. His little brother said, I don't want any candy. He says, Well, if you'll keep quiet, I'll give you a baseball. He says, I don't want a baseball. He said, well, if you get quiet, I'll keep quiet, I'll give you a baseball and my new glove. He says, I don't want a new glove. He says, what do you want? He says, I want to tell. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy, had a little, he had some good information, and he didn't want to keep quiet about it. And the same thing is just true for us. We've got the greatest news that history has ever heard. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We've got the greatest stories that this world desperately needs to hear. Our mission as a church And individually, it's more important now than I think it has ever been to be told. It is to introduce every tribe, every nation, every soul on the face of this earth to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is alive. He is Lord of all, and his grace can redeem us. It can restore us, and it can make all things new. In order to experience the true joy and significance of Easter, on a daily basis in this ever-changing world. We have to stay focused on our mission. And we also have to rely on God's promises. Again, in verse 10, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, for there they will see me. This is his promise. Do what I tell you to do. Say what I tell you to say, and I will show up. And because of the resurrection, we know that we can rely on that promise of God. Uh, Not long ago, I was working with a group who was planning an event, and part of the event was a worship service, and the worship leader was going over, you know, kind of the transitions of the songs and how everything was going to work, and at the end of it, when we started to wrap things up, he says, yep, and we just hope that God shows up. Now, maybe it's just my preacher nature, but um, that seems an odd statement to make to me. We're planning a worship service, so I I said, you know, I I realize that's just a a phrase that people use, but, you know, if if there's any question... Any doubt that God's going to show up or not? I think maybe we need to cancel this event. He said, "Oh no, no, oh, no, man. That's just a, that's just a, a phrase of speech. Uh, uh, surely God's going to show up. What I was talking about is we hope that God's going to move among us. Well, I didn't want to call him out again, but I was thinking, you know, if there's any doubt, any question that God's going to move among us. You know, maybe we need to rethink this whole thing. Because the fact is that if Jesus doesn't show up and move among us, then we really are powerless. Because our hope is not in our worship services here. It's not in our missions and our ministries and and the programs that we have in the church. Our hope is in the power of Jesus Christ to change lives, to show up, to move among us and within us. If we're relying on our ability to change this world, then we don't stand a chance. We have to rely on the power of Jesus Christ and his promises. Imagine how those women, who were making their way to uh, tell the disciples about what they had seen and heard that morning, imagine what they were feeling. I have to wonder: did they, were they did they have any doubts? Um, do they question themselves, thinking, "Did we actually see what we think we saw? <laughs> do, do we did we hear what we think we heard? I mean, what's going to happen if we tell them to go to Galilee and Jesus doesn't show up? We're going to look like idiots." In fact, when they told the disciples what they saw, that's what the disciples thought they were, you know, idiots. Luke says, these words seem to be to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. I don't know if such thoughts went through the the heads of those women that day, but I do know this. They were willing to risk everything, their reputation, to rely on the promises of Jesus For even though the disciples questioned them and doubted them, they insisted no, get up, go to Galilee, for there you will see Jesus alive and in person. And they were certainly not disappointed. Every Sunday morning, I make bold promises from up here. In fact, every week we as a church make bold promises to this congregation we promise people that if they will give their life to Jesus, He will turn their lives around. If you give your heart to Jesus, He will fill it with hope, with peace in His presence. If you give your burdens to Jesus, He will help you to bear them. If you confess your sins to them, we promise people that He will forgive you absolutely and completely. If you give Him your sorrow... Your pain, your heartache, your broken dreams, he will replace them with hope and love and peace and joy. And those are bold promises that we make, but I make them without reservation because I know that we can trust that Jesus will do what he says he will do. I've seen it too many times. The truth is, without the promises of Jesus, we are powerless. We really don't have much to offer this world, if anything at all. We really couldn't offer joyful fellowship here at this place. Because he is the source of our joy. And without his promises, there is no joy. We really can't offer any ministries here at this church. Because all of the ministries are operated by people who have been changed by the power of his grace and his, his love in their lives. And so those people's lives weren't changed. There would be no ministries. We can't open the doors of our church for services of worship. Because without his promises, there is no song to sing. There is no message to proclaim. We exist and live by the promises of God. He is our only hope, the only true hope. Without him, we really can do nothing. In this ever-changing world that we live in, we can't afford to place our trust in ourselves, in political leaders, in our economy, We can't afford to put our trust in a company we work for or country we live in or anything else. Our hope is to be placed only upon the promises of God. And because of the resurrection, we know that we can rely upon them. So the good news today is that even though the world is changing around us all the time, Easter doesn't change. So we celebrate Easter today as it should be celebrated every year as it has been celebrated since the very beginning, we stand up to our fears, thinking acting with faith. We focus on our mission by telling others of the power that Jesus has for our lives, how he can change us and make us new. And we rely on his promise to show up in our lives and in the lives of anyone who places their trust in him. This is why we can shout in the face of all the doubters and all the changes and the, 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 things, the uncertainties of this life, we can shout, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Why don't you say that with me? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now say it like you mean it. <laughs> Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. Amen and amen. May it be so.